Bright suns and good morning. Well, actually, good afternoon. It's actually 5.08 p.m. on Tuesday, August 24th at the time of this recording. And guys, this is episode two. Welcome to episode two and welcome to the Bright Suns podcast, the show for pop culture nerds like myself to obsess over Star Wars, Marvel, DC, comic books, video games, and just anything we feel like getting into in the geekdom. My name is Mike, and I sincerely appreciate you guys being here today. Uh, We've got some stuff to talk about. Uh, Some news came out. Uh, Believe me, I really do want to talk about the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, but I promised my wife I would wait to watch it, so I haven't seen it yet. I I can't say anything about it other than what I've seen in the screenshots. And y'all are just going crazy with the spoilers online. So I gotta, I gotta like stay off of Twitter for a little while. Anyway, episode two, Bright Suns podcast, lots to talk about. Here we go. So I wanted to start off this episode by talking a little bit about uh, the Marvel side of the geekdom. Uh, It was announced that Black Panther Wakanda Forever is going to be the first movie in which we see Ironheart. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with Ironheart, it's uh, a character named Riri Williams. And honestly, I don't know too, too much about her. Uh, I haven't, I haven't like read the comic books or anything, but I, I know a little bit. I just know kind of the overview the the like high high level like wikipedia page um but ironheart is uh, is going to be coming to the marvel cinematic universe and we've kind of known for a while that she was going to have a show on disney plus i mean we've we've seen the the list of stuff coming out on disney plus so we knew ironheart was coming uh but it was announced that She's officially going to be in Black Pan- excuse me, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, she's going to be played by Dominique Thorne. And when I found that out, I had to, I had to look her up because I honestly had never actually heard of that actress before. Uh, and seems like she's a relatively new actress. Uh, IMDb really only has her with two non-Marvel movies, uh, one of which has a Black Panther actor in it. So... It, it kind of seems like Marvel is kind of doing a similar thing that they've they've kind of always done, especially in the early days, where they they kind of have this history of taking, quote unquote, no name actors and just launching their careers into like superstardom. And I, I mean, let's just go right back to the very beginning. Uh, Iron Man one, Robert Downey Jr. was kind of considered, I mean, Maybe not necessarily a no-name actor, but he certainly was considered washed up. He had constant, you know, run-ins with the law and and constant jail time for like possession and assault and all sorts of crazy stuff. He he had, uh, you know, a rough go of it, really. So when I remember when Marvel announced that Robert Downey Jr. was going to be Iron Man, me and literally like everybody else was looking at it, going, really? Couldn't find, like, anybody else? Like, it has to be Robert Downey Jr.? And obviously, you know, 
11, 12 years later, we all know how that went down, and it went down great. We could not have asked for a better Tony Stark. And for the rest of time, I really feel like we're going to be comparing any other Tony Stark portrayals to Robert Downey Jr.'s. So obviously, Marvel, they, they took a gamble, and it paid off huge. And even going into some of the other movies, I mean, like, let's, let's look at Thor. Uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. These are two actors I remember seeing, you know, news articles come out saying, uh, you know, Marvel hires no-name actors for one of their biggest roles. And, you know, they're expecting the movie to flop. And while I personally think that Thor is probably the weakest Marvel movie that's out there, uh, obviously it launched Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston into superstardom. And now we cannot picture a, a different Thor. And, and obviously we adore the hell out of, Th out of Loki, Tom Hiddleston being Loki. So I, I really don't think that them going to somebody like Dominique Thorne, I really don't think that that's, that's out of character for, for Marvel. I know I saw some tweets like, you know, who's Dominique Thorne? Who's, who's that? Why are they going with, with that instead of, somebody else, some more established actor. And and honestly, I don't think that would be a good fit for an established actor. I think I think this being uh, you know, a new character to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you really do need a new actor, somebody that can, you know, really kind of be shaped by this role and and define it as their own instead of, you know, bringing in some of their other defining characteristics from other roles. You know, like it's it's just one of those things that I don't think it would work with an established actress. And and so I'm I'm honestly I'm just going to trust that Marvel did their homework and and that they're going to deliver like they always have. I've I've never been like disappointed by a Marvel property. So, you know, they have my full faith that it's going to be it's going to be a really good show. Uh th I mean the thing that I think is is probably going to be the hardest thing is you know, Dominique Thorne is is going to have some very big shoes to fill because being Ironheart is is essentially being the successor to Iron Man. And as much as, as everybody was kind of saying that, you know, that's going to be Tom Holland and Spider-Man, you know, Tom Holland is actually another example of somebody that people didn't really know before he did that role. But as much as people were saying it's going to be Tom Holland's Spider-Man that's going to be the next Iron Man, it was even like in the movie you know, in the, the Spider-Man, uh, the second MCU movie, I can't think of the title right now, but Far From Home, that's the one. Uh, but it's even in that movie saying, you know, who's going to be the next Iron Man? It's going to be Spider-Man. But in reality, it's going to be Ironheart. So she's got some very large shoes to fill. And, and it worries me that she's got shoes to fill that are that large because uh, fandoms these days... And I know, I know my last episode really talked about the Star Wars fandom, but the Marvel fandom is, is, is just barely better. It's, it's really not that much better. But I'm worried for the actress. I'm worried that there's going to be so much pressure put on her and, and she's going to get so much unfair, unjust criticisms that neither she nor the role actually deserve. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I'm just, I'm worried about that. So I'm asking, if you're listening to this, please, when it comes out, go easy on her. 
like don't don't be don't be a troll just you know if you enjoy it you enjoy it if you don't enjoy it nobody cares so uh you know and then after black panther wakanda forever she's gonna have the solo disney plus series so you know whether you like her or not being in black panther wakanda forever she's she's coming back for more she already signed the contract so you know it's coming so i'm i'm just i'm worried about it and i'm i'm just hoping i really hope that the fandom really just proves me wrong because i mean not only is it a, a replacement well i don't want to say replacement it's a successor she's a successor to iron man she's female she's a person of color like this is this is just a perfect storm for all of of like the toxic hate that has gone around and i'm i'm so nervous like going into this because i i love talking to you guys on twitter honestly i really do but sometimes it's exhausting because these guys just come out of the woodwork so uh, again, if you're if you're listening to this, I really hope that you just just be cool. Just if you don't like it, you don't like it. Move on. Uh, but I'm I'm personally excited. I honestly think it is going to be a very good time. I think it's going to be a very good show. And and like I said earlier, I trust that Marvel is doing their homework as far as you know finding an actress that's that's able to pull off what they're looking for. They've done it a thousand times so far. I I trust them. They do their job. Uh, so I, I really don't have a good segue for this, but I saw a news article and I wanted to talk about it. So going to science news, <laughs> there was a uh, there's an article that I read about a fusion experiment that blasts out 10 quadrillion watts of power. And so to give you a little bit of a, a, a rough estimate, I guess that's about 10% of the energy of the sunlight that hits Earth. And that is, is I mean, a, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the total output of the sun. So it's not, it's not you know, like, hey, they weaponized the sun. They, 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 they got the energy from a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of it, really. Uh, so they did this by by shooting some high-powered lasers at a pellet of hydrogen, which absorbed about seventy percent of it. And I guess I guess the idea for this the study is they want to they want to develop the the pellet a little bit more to be able to absorb uh, like a hundred percent or more of the energy. I don't quite understand how it works, but it basically could be the future of fusion reactors which could be the thing that propels us into like the next stage on the Kardashev scale, you know, like the, the, the scale of, of civilizations. Like if we harness that kind of power, like Doc Ock would be jealous. So, but the thing that scared the shit out of me was that they, they said the purpose of the study is to study it for future nuclear fusion weapons. And the first thing I thought of is, okay, they're just coming right out and saying the quiet part out loud, I feel like, uh, because if we have nuclear fusion weapons, we are fucked. <laughs> like, just straight up fucked. Imagine having this kind of technology, and you're like, hey, we can have nuclear fusion reactors. We could have 
these reactors that could power the planet and provide energy for everybody. But no, we want to weaponize it. We want to put it into bombs because, because the best thing that we could possibly do is, you know, develop a weapon that's basically a, a, a sun. You know, like imagine, imagine a future in which uh, conflicts are, are escalated as they tend to be. And we decide to drop a fucking sun on our enemies. Or worse, worse yet, if we or somebody else drops a sun on ourselves. Like, that's a sun. That's a nuclear fusion weapon. Like, you're dropping a fucking sun on a city. That, that's not going to end well for anybody. And, and it just seems like some real like apocalyptic level science right there if we don't harness it the right way so honestly skip the weapons bit just go right to the reactors but speaking of apocalypses uh do you hear about elon musk's uh, terminators yeah uh, i i if you didn't elon musk unveils new robots new humanoid robots and it's basically the beginning of the terminators <laughs> Uh, not really. It's uh, when, when he announced it, he didn't actually announce Terminators or humanoid robots. He announced that he was pursuing that and that he's going to start work toward, you know, uh, developing these robots. But the thing that came out on stage was a dude in a Lycra suit. So <laughs> it, was, it was a dude... It was a dude in spandex that was like designed to look like what the robot's going to look like. And he just came out pretending to be a robot. So <laughs> we, everybody's freaking out over this robot. And it's the idea of the robot that can be like legitimately scary. But <laughs> I just laughed at the idea. It's a dude. It's a dude in spandex that came out. Um, but the idea of the robot is it's meant to take over menial tasks. So anybody whose position is already at risk of being uh, automated, uh, Elon Musk wants to like speed up that process. And if your job can't be automated by simple robots, it's going to be automated by these more complicated robots. Um, I just said complicated, very weird. And, and I, I know a lot of people out there are kind of saying like, okay, yeah, but that's, that's a pipe dream. You know, that that's so far down the line. We are so far away from humanoid robots that are able to do all of the tasks of a human. And um, I, I would remind you that if this were any other person that were announcing this, I would say, yeah. But this is Elon Musk. Uh, Tesla was a pipe dream. So was SpaceX, you know, commercial space flight. And this is a dude that has now done both and in our lifetimes. And it seems that with the nigh unlimited resources that this guy has behind him, if he wants to do it, it's going to happen. He's going to do it. So I really, I don't think that that's just, you know, like uh, uh, some, some hype event that he's not actually going to pull off. I legitimately think that within our lifetime, at least my lifetime, uh, we're probably going to see Elon's, you know, Terminators come out. And I'm just hoping that they have some sort of, you know, 
programming to not harm people. Uh, somebody, somebody should probably get copies of iRobot over to Elon Musk like right now. Let's let's get those uh, Asimov rules in place. Anyway, so another thing that's been kind of bothering me is uh, clickbait. Now going back to going back to Star Wars because uh, you know you guys you guys subscribe to this podcast, right? You're not just listening once because I posted the link on Twitter. You, you, you know, you, you hit that subscribe button. Doing me the huge favor, right? <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, uh, but going back to Star Wars, there was a lot of clickbait going around about Boba Fett's ship. And I'm sure you just hearing me talking about this, I, I can feel you rolling your eyes already. Uh, so Boba Fett's ship is is famously known as Slave One. Uh, now, understandably, Slave One can be kind of a problematic name, uh, especially, you know, nowadays. But also, uh, after The Mandalorian Season 2, it really seems like, you know, they're kind of setting Boba Fett up to kind of be maybe not a hero, but an anti-hero, kind of like a, a Venom or a Batman, you know, where he's maybe not the nicest guy, or a Punisher, you know, Punisher is a good example too, where he's not a nice guy. He's not necessarily a good guy, but he, you know, he does uh, the, the overall mission that he has, I guess, can be considered good. Understandably, Slave One can be kind of a troublesome name. And, and I, I get if, you know, Disney did decide they want to change the name. I honestly, I legitimately would understand, but there, there was all sorts of articles going around saying it's proven, it's 100% true, they're renaming it the Fire Spray. And that, that is what we call uh, not true. That's a lie. It's a, it's a big fucking lie. So the cover that they're, in ref uh, that they're referencing in these articles is a cover that showed kind of like a blueprint of Boba Fett's ship. And granted, yeah, it doesn't say Slave One anywhere on it, I, I think. I, I looked at it really quick, and I think it was all written in Arabesh anyway. So I, don't, I didn't see that part. But it does reference the ship as Fire Spray, but not the, the name of the ship. That's the model of the ship. So like going to another ship, uh, the Millennium Falcon. Famously, it's called the Millennium Falcon. We see the Millennium Falcon. We know it's the Millennium Falcon. That is a Corellia YT freighter. But it's the Millennium Falcon. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's the model is the Corellia YT, just as the model is the fire spray. The name of that particular ship is the Millennium Falcon, just like the name of that particular ship for now is the Slave One. But again, even if it's not, even if at some point in the future they do actually decide to change it and they do decide to go from Slave 1 to something else, it makes sense for the character, for where they're taking the character. Because Slave 1 is, <laughs> like, objectively, and I'm saying this, like, actually, truthfully, objectively, a... a, a bad sounding name, like a name you would give a ship of somebody who is not a, a good guy or even an anti-hero. Like Slave One is what I would like call like Maul's ship, 
or Palpatine ship. I would call that Slave One. And, and even if they do decide to change it because he's being an anti-hero and it changes from Slave One to something else, and it, even if they decide to call it the Fire Spray, that doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything that's not already set in motion. The name of Boba Fett's ship is so inconsequential to the character. And, and honestly, the character development, maybe this isn't a hot take and maybe this is my uh, very unpopular opinion, but my opinion is that Boba Fett's character development didn't even start until The Mandalorian Season 2. Like, that's, that's my legit opinion. You know, you guys can have, have whatever opinions you want, obviously. I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue against them and say that they're invalid, but canonically, as far as the stuff that is actually canon, the stuff that Disney owns, I, I legit don't think that his, his character development started until The Mandalorian because he had five lines in the original trilogy and then got dumped into the Sarlacc pit by a kick. Like, I never really quite understood what was so, like, hype about Boba Fett. Like, really, he was, he was you know, I guess his... his armor was really cool but that was about all that i got out of it was just his armor was cool and same with jango fett in the prequel trilogy jango fett had you know the the same kind of armor it was pretty cool and at least had had you know more lines and had more to do with the actual story but you know jango fett kind of just kept running away and you know dropping sonic charges at obi-wan and stuff but you know, Django was kind of just a little punk. You know, he kept running away and he died like a punk. You know, Mace Windu just kind of decapitated him so unceremoniously. Just, there he goes. Django Fett's gone. Boba Fett's holding his head. So, again, I never really understood the whole, like, hype around Boba Fett. Other than, yes, his armor is super cool. Until we got to the Mandalorian season two. And then he, you know, they started developing him more. They started kind of showing a bit more character in one episode. They fixed like 40 years of mistakes in one episode. So legit, I, I, I love Boba Fett now. And I, I didn't like him before the Mandalorian season two because I just, I kind of nothinged him. I liked the idea of Mandalorians. And like, you know, having watched the Clone Wars and Rebels now, I, you know, love other Mandalorians like Sabine Wren and Bo-Katan, but I never really felt much for Boba Fett. So honestly, the, the direction that I feel they're taking the character, and this, again, this is my opinion on this part, uh, is, is I feel like they're taking him toward the anti-hero role. And if they're going to take him toward the anti-hero role, you can't really be floating around in a ship called Space One. Or, I'm sorry, Slave One. I mean, that would be like, I guess that would be like having, you know, uh, uh, Poe Dameron flying around in a ship called, you know, Oppress One. <laughs> and I, mean, I know that, so that name, obviously brings up a lot of other stuff. Can we talk about can, can we talk about names in the Star Wars universe for a minute and and um, names of bad guys in the Star Wars universe should be all you need to use in any talk with the toxic fan base about how seriously they should be taking this because if they're like, oh well you know 
this this movie is is this brilliance from George Lucas. Okay, okay. Like I I love George Lucas. Don't get me wrong. I love the world he created. I don't think he was great at dialogue, and he doesn't think he was great at dialogue. And the way that he named villains was so like it's so 1930s, you know, classic serials like Buck Rogers and stuff. It's so over the top, obviously evil. Like, you know, you've got all the bad guys, Darth Vader, Darth Sidious, Darth Maul. Uh, you know, you've got you've got his brother, uh, Savage Opress, or however you pronounce it, but it's basically Savage Opress. Savage Oppress. So you've got all these bad guys with bad guy names, and they're so bad guy names. <laughs> like, like, okay, you know, and, and people, I, I love the argument of, uh, you know, well, well, Vader actually means father in Dutch. Because I'm personally of the camp that I, I, I don't honestly think that George Lucas really knew that he wanted to make Anakin uh, Luke's father until, like, maybe the end of filming of A New Hope. Maybe that's my opinion. I mean, there's there's probably interviews out there that that you know uh, contradict what I just said, but it's my opinion. The way it was presented, I don't I don't feel like he had that full idea fleshed out yet. I think David Prowse had the idea fleshed out, <laughs> and, and and maybe that's why George Lucas stiffed him. But but yeah, so all the bad guy names are just so bad. They're just bad guys. It's it's Vader. It's short for Invader. Uh, Darth Sidious. It's short for Insidious. Maul is just Maul. It's just bad. And then you've got Savage Oppress. <laughs> like, it doesn't get more bad guy than that, unless they legitimately named a guy bad guy. So it, it's, you know, you can take these movies as seriously as you want, but, you know, there's there's a line that you should probably, you, you should probably be reminded that, okay, these, these are things for children, okay? And these are very much shows for children. They're made for, like, the 12 and 13-year-olds. And, and, and those of us who are, are still just having so much fun watching them, we just never grew up, you know? Um, so, I mean, going, going... So this whole conversation, this whole thing started with clickbait. Uh, so I want to go back to what I think... Uh, what I think was probably one of the best things that's ever happened for clickbait is uh, James Gunn. I love James Gunn. And James Gunn is just on Twitter, like, constantly. And he's constantly trolling around for these these articles and, and you know, Twitter handles that are putting out fake news. Like, not not like the, the Donald Trump fake news, like, like just fake actual articles that are that are just taking the tiniest little inconsequential tweet and stretching it out into a whole article and claiming that it's confirmation. So, for example, there was one from uh, Movie Details that said, uh, in the Suicide Squad to uh, 2021, the reason Polka Dot Man is attached to Milton is because Bill Finger, also known as Milton Bill Finger, is the writer that created the character. Now, James Gunn saw this, and uh, if there's anybody that knows about uh, Suicide Squad 2021, I, I legitimately would hope that it would be James fucking Gunn. <laughs> so, so he quote tweeted it with the best possible response. Nope. <laughs> like, like that's it. Just, just nope. He, he did go on to comment on 
you know, where the actual origins of the character and, and why he was attached to Milton to begin with. But it was just the, the quickest and easiest way of shutting it down was just the, the, the writer and director of the thing just saying, nope. So, and it kind of makes me think, okay, maybe this is what can be done for clickbait is <laughs> just call them out on their bullshit. But unfortunately, when you do call them out on their bullshit and you engage and you comment and you quote tweet, you are providing that account with, um, with engagement. And unfortunately that counts for all the algorithms as, as quality engagement. And so it pushes that tweet out to other people. And the more you interact with it, the more you call them out on their bullshit, the more it's going to spread. So it's kind of an unfortunate thing where you really want to call them out on their bullshit, but you kind of just have to let it die. It's it's almost clickbait articles with, with obviously false information or even kind of subtly false information. They're kind of like a virus. They require people to engage with it and to interact with it in order to spread. And the best way to get rid of it is to actually kind of quarantine it and make sure it doesn't interact with as many people as possible. So the thing that I do is when stuff like this comes out, like I've I've blocked movie details and I mute them. So anytime they post something, I don't see it. I don't see any comments they leave. I provide them zero engagement. And and something that should just be done for for literally every bit of news that you hear is to check multiple sources. If this guy is literally the only source that's coming out with this bit of information, it's probably wrong. <laughs> and and this one kind of seems uh, uh this this part seems a little straightforward and and you know, but whatever. It's actually read the article because they're not planning on you doing that. So if you actually read the article and the entire article is James Gunn tweeted this one thing and they 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 bury it beneath the fold, which the fold is considered the part of the screen that you have to scroll in order to see. So they bury it beneath the fold. They bury the lead. And if they do that for this tiny little bit of information, chances are they just found a tweet that James Gunn did, stretched it to its most crazy, nonsensical conclusion, and determined that it was confirmed. Not a great bit of journalism there. So probably not to be trusted. That's when you can go see if you can find it on other sources. Now, the problem with these things is they're so profitable. And Veritasium did a, a friggin' phenomenal video. I'll have to see if I can put a, a link to it in the show notes. But he did a phenomenal video on why clickbait is so uh, effective. And and uh, it was it was eye-opening because the way he did it was kind of from the perspective of a creator and and why they would do things that are kind of clickbait and how clickbait really isn't just it is clickbait or it's not clickbait there's this like really gray area of what kind of counts as clickbait so it's a it's it's a freaking awesome video i'm gonna link to it down below veritasium really does not need me and like the seven people that are listening to this podcast to to help him out. He gets crazy numbers anyway. But I would very much like you to go watch that video because uh, it does show. It's it's a it's eye opening into the world of clickbait. Um, and then me personally, I actually used to write for several online communities. 
And they would, you know, I, I, I started before the clickbait thing really, you know, was a thing. And it was a lot more liberating back then because when I got a scoop, I got a story. I, I, I just wrote a story and I wrote a, a title that was somewhat catchy. And, you know, we did what we could to, to maximize SEO and to get engagement. And we, you know, found our topics from Google Trending kind of like clickbaiters do now. But we didn't have to go through the links that they do now to just get any kind of engagement because I feel like back when I was doing it, people actually read the article. People don't read articles anymore. They just read headlines and they feel like they get the entire story. And I feel like that's in part because people were writing really long articles back then. They don't want to they don't want to read them. I remember back when they said, OK, listen, uh, cut your articles down from like a thousand words to 300 words. If it's if it's over 300 words. You're going to see a, a just marked, you know, decline in your in your engagement because people will just scroll down to the bottom of the page and see how long the article is before they read any of it. And so they're like, you know, make sure your title has most of the information in it and then 300 words or less. And then it was, OK, make sure your title has uh, words in it that are like this so that they engage people and and. You know, they, they give people kind of a reason to click on it, but they don't give away the whole story. And things kind of started going toward clickbait and I really didn't like it. So I, I ended up, I quit. I didn't, I didn't want to do it anymore. But if you read the entire article and it's just nothing stretched out beyond belief, then the article's not good and you need to try to find another article. And if all you can find are articles that are just like about a single tweet that a person put out and it's stretched to like 300 words, then, then the story is the story's going nowhere and you can just disregard it. That's my opinion. At least you can disregard it. You can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> the other thing that unfortunately I've noticed is you kind of can gauge how true an article is based on who is engaging and who is agreeing with it. And the thing I've found is that if there's like a bunch of proud boy types and incels that think it's true, it's obviously false. It is like, you know, you, the second you see some of these like comments that, that kind of sound like those types of people, you can kind of guarantee that the article is false. It's 100% false. So I usually just follow this, the, the rule of if I see any of these things that kind of, you know, raise some red flags and trigger the alerts. I just move on. You know, I, I looked at it. I engaged with it maybe a little bit, but I didn't comment. I didn't retweet. I didn't share. I just saw it moved on because it's an algorithm. The beast craves attention. And so the more attention you give it good or bad, it does not care. It's going to just spread it out to other people. If you engage with it, because it thinks Oh, people, people want to engage with this. And the more they engage with stuff on our site, the longer they stay. And that's the goal. And then eventually you'll kind of start to determine like what sites are really bad. Like my personal two that I, I block and I, I refuse to engage with as well, I, I engage with them as little as possible is Screen Rant and IGN. So IGN, I have a personal gripe against them that I will never forgive them for. It was right around the time of Infinity War. It was like a few weeks before Infinity War came out. Now, I don't know if they had people at like an advanced screening or at like the Hollywood premiere, but 
They knew about Red Skull being in Infinity War a couple of weeks before it actually happened. And they knew it was it was for sure. And and maybe there were leaks that were around and so so they followed the leaks. I try to avoid that stuff because I like to go into these movies as blind as possible because I like I like to be entertained the way the movie intends to, you know, and it, and it intends to surprise me. But IGN found out about the Red Skull being in Infinity War. And the thing that they posted was that Red Skull is in Infinity War and they put it in the fucking title of the article. So the, the part of the article that you have no choice but to see. And then they also put a picture of Red Skull as the the featured picture of the article. So again, the thing that all social media sites are going to to put up when you put up a link is the featured image and the title. So all you see is how Red Skull returned for Infinity War and why it's not Hugo Weaving. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I, it has been months that I've been barely going on social media. I like glance at my Google news feed for like half a second and a huge, huge surprise from infinity war just got spoiled. Thanks to IGN. Uh, so because of that, my personal feelings towards IGN are fuck you. <laughs> so I, I just absolutely hate IGN for that. And they ended up like changing it later on to just say how this character returned for Infinity War to kind of be a little bit more clickbaity, but the featured image was still Red Skull, so it still spoiled the, the movie. So honestly, IGN is, is the fucking worst. They're just terrible. They're a garbage news site. Now, Screen Rant. Screen Rant, I have, I have a complex relationship with them because I hate everything that they put out except for pitch meetings. The pitch meetings videos on on uh, YouTube, they're they're great. They're hilarious. Ryan George is carrying Screen Rant entirely. His shoulders must hurt. But Screen Rant's articles are absolute garbage. Like one of the articles was, uh, you know, why is why is the Winter Soldier, aka Bucky, aging differently than Captain America? Like, why, why was he young at the end of Endgame and Captain America was old? Well, that's a question that's answered if you watched the fucking movie. Like, it, it's, it's, if you even paid half attention and didn't go to the bathroom for like an hour and a half at the end of the movie, you know why they age differently. If you watched any of the other movies, you know why they age differently. Quote, unquote, differently. They age the same, actually. It's because he went back in time and aged up into the modern day. Like, that's why they're different ages at the end of Endgame. And the reason why he was the same age for as long as Captain America was, was because Hydra kept freezing him. They showed that in the movies. <laughs> so, Screen Rant really, they really kind of depend on you being stupid, and they assume that you're stupid. And, and so, you clicking on it, you're kind of proving that assumption. So stop clicking on, on Screen Rant articles and IGN articles. Just block them, mute them, ignore them. They're trash. And speaking of trash, I know I... So I know my show is a focus on positivity, and I know that these two episodes, all I've done is get myself worked up about, about toxic fans and about toxic things and clickbait and, and garbage. But I feel like there's there's a lot of, like 
grievances to air. And then I can really get into like the good stuff. Like, okay, you know, I'm building a catalog of, of, uh, of, of ideas and topics to discuss. I've got a OneNote notebook that is just starting to fill up with different episode ideas. And then I'm just putting these ideas in the right episode. But for these first two episodes, I have, I have grievances. I have the stuff I want to talk about is the stuff that's been bothering me. And then I want to get into the stuff that excites me. And, and believe me, I got some stuff. It's coming. But uh, so for the weekly toxicology report, I guess I'll call it, there's, there's two things that kind of bothered me this week. And that is uh, these, these face app edits of Ray. Now, I shared one of them on my timeline. I've, I've commented on a couple more. But it's, uh, you know, the, the app face app where you upload a picture and you can choose, you know, I think, I think you can choose like old or, you know, makeup and stuff like that. But, but these people have taken Ray, who is played by Daisy Ridley, who is almost not even, it's, it's not even like you can argue it. She is, it is about as, as close to objective as, as the word subjective can get. Daisy Ridley is a gorgeous human being. All right. She is, she is easily one of the most attractive women in Hollywood. Okay, just like traditionally attractive. You know, I'm not saying that that's anything like her value as an as an actress is how attractive she is. But (laughs) I don't even know if I want to say any of this. But if you take her character, this 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 beautiful woman, and then you, uh, you know, her character is Ray. She's an orphan who has to, you know, risk her life going into old like you know, crashed starships and just scrap them for parts just to eat. Like her primary focus is just to make sure that she's getting enough food to live. And and it, it kind of seems like there's times where that's not possible. You know, she's getting gypped at the, the portion guy constantly. So the idea that she would have access to like top quality hair products, top quality makeup, makeup artists, you know, uh, shower facilities and she'd be perfectly clean on what is essentially a ball of dust at the edge of the galaxy. That's, that's bonkers, right? Like you wouldn't expect that out there. That'd be like going into the middle of Iraq and being like, why are the women here so sweaty? I don't get it. It's because it's 120 fucking degrees. Okay. Like, you can't expect these people to, to be like 10 out of 10 supermodels in the middle of the worst environment of their entire lives, right? But beyond that, what you're doing when you do these things is you're telling, you're telling girls that, you know, even if you are Daisy fucking Ridley, you're not pretty enough and that your you know, your only value is as a sexually attractive object. Like, you know, I, I didn't think you were worth it in the sequel trilogy unless you looked like this. Ray did amazing things in the sequel trilogy. Okay, she went through an arc, whether you want to believe it or not. She went through this character arc. She was flawed. She was troubled. She fucking killed Chewbacca, for God's sakes. I mean, she didn't, but she thought she did. So... And, and whenever I see these, I'm always just shocked. Why is it always Kim Kardashian? Do you guys, or, or like one of the Kardashians, I should say. I don't, I don't know the Kardashians, but I know that like 
that overall like caked on makeup look. I'm just calling the Kardashian look. But why is it always a Kardashian? Do you guys legitimately want a Kardashian in Star Wars? Because I don't. I don't want that kind of person in Star Wars. That's not what Star Wars is about. That's not who Star Wars is for. Uh, so that kind of stuff, that stuff irritates me a lot just because it's, it's damaging to women. It's damaging to the little girls who are watching this. And if you don't think there's little girls watching this, I have Star Wars conventions and a lot of, of, of memories of girls walking around Galaxy's Edge when I was there last month who adore Rey. They look up to Rey, as they should. And, you know, if you're thinking that girls aren't watching this, so it's okay to be damaging to their, their mental well-being, then no, go fuck yourself again. <laughs> like, seriously. Anyway, uh, so the other thing that really bothered me in the toxicology news is a Starkiller series. And now, I will admit, I, I liked Starkiller. I liked the games, and I, I enjoyed playing them. And, you know, it's, it's after, like, talking to a few people that I kind of realized, you know, what the problem would be. I, I'll admit, I, I really was like, hey, if, if he's willing to play it, I'm willing to watch it. And then, you know, my mind was kind of changed by by seeing these these actually like really well thought out arguments of why that would be bad. And I agree. I actually I agree with these arguments. Things like these are just, you know, kind of the toxic troll power fantasy. He was so overpowered that in order to bring him into the Star Wars universe, it would have to be, you know, he'd have to be so neutered. And I hate that I use that term. That's actually a really bad term. But he'd have to be so nerfed that it wouldn't essentially be the same character. So it really would not make any sense to bring in Starkiller into the Mar uh, to the Star Wars universe. It definitely wouldn't make any sense to bring him into the Marvel universe. But it wouldn't make any sense to bring him in. So even though I really liked the games, and I, I want to go back and play them because I had fun with them, I have to agree that it just, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good for Star Wars as a whole. It wouldn't be good for the fandom. It really wouldn't bring anything to Star Wars that playing the game doesn't already do. And if you like the game, go play the game. So there's really just not a place in the Star Wars galaxy where I feel like he would be a fit. And, and honestly, video game movies or TV shows... I don't think they really work out the way people want them to because people who didn't play the games generally aren't interested and the people who did play the games already played the games so they know everything that's coming up and as much as people who want a Starkiller series think it would it would quote-unquote make Disney a billion dollars as if, as if that's at all how streaming services work uh, it's so stupid. Um, but as much as they, I think they want the series, I don't think they would like it if they got it. You know? I don't think they'd like it if they got it, and I don't think they'd like it if they didn't get it. And even if it came out and, and just was like a scene-for-scene -scene copy of the video games, I don't think they'd like it. I think they'd be like, oh, well, they didn't change anything. They didn't do anything different. They didn't take any risks. Well, yeah, because you guys flip out when they take risks, when they change stuff. So 
you know, I don't think that if if they got a Star Killer series, they would actually enjoy it like they think they will, and that it would make a billion dollars. I just, I, I sincerely think that there's nothing that they could deliver that Disney or George Lucas could deliver that would satisfy them. They would find something to complain about, even if it was the exact thing that they wanted. So, honestly, the the best idea. If they want to incorporate Starkiller into a into a show at some point, maybe, but just tread very carefully. And and because they would have to tread so carefully, I don't think it would be worth it to even try. Because either you're going to, you know, just piss off the loyal fans who like Star Wars and where it's going, uh, at you know, while uh kind of enabling and and you know, emboldening the toxic fan base who just want this male power fantasy, then, you know, I don't think that's worth it. And and then, you know, if you do it a different way where, where you know, the Star Wars loyalists, you know, the Disney ones that like it, where it's going, if they enjoy the character, it's going to be at the expense of the people who are, you know, the toxic fans. And while I'm normally all in favor of doing anything at their expense, it's just going to make discourse on the movies and TV shows and Disney as a whole just so much more negative. And it's going to make it so much harder to just have conversations with people online in open spaces like, you know, Twitter, where these things can be celebrated without having these these toxic, dark, cynical corners of the Internet try to invade. So if you if you want it whatever. I hope that if they deliver it, they can deliver it the way that you like it. And I hope that if, you know, they don't, you have the testicular fortitude to just move on. Anyway, I think I have been talking enough at you guys today. Um, <laughs> this one this one went a little uh, a little more annoyed than I think I wanted to go. Um, but again, like I said, I've, I've got stuff down the pipe that I'm excited about. And, um, you know, good stuff. Good stuff's coming. I just have to get these these kind of grievances out of the way and just get all this frustration off my chest before I can I can break into the gooey center of of Star Wars of the stuff that I love. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Um a lot of you guys that I've I've interacted with on Twitter, you guys have been so freaking supportive and I love you guys so much for that. Um it's nice seeing uh my my listener count go up a little bit more uh every day. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys. And until we talk to each other again in podcast form where I talk at you, not really with you, may the force be with you. And uh, have a great night, guys.